Hello and welcome to the Anything Literally podcast. Today we are talking about new cameras and camera technologies and products that go around camera and the video and photography world. So uh, We talk about cameras fir- a lot, thing. And you guys seem to like that, so we're going to continue talking about cameras. Yeah, we get the most um, views on camera stuff, so we're going to exploit that while we can. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, recently, over the last couple of weeks to a couple of months there have been a lot of new cameras announced um mainly from people like sony and black magic and so on so we're going to talk about them so black magic dan i know you like the look of the atem do you want to describe what that is okay so the atem is a video switcher it has the original version has four hdmi ins you can switch between them fade do picture in picture it's a really good little portable video switcher it's brilliant for setup setting up in a small location and doing a live stream with four cameras they have released what i would call um the atem on drugs as it is called the atem extreme um or the extreme iso there's two versions of it the extreme puts that four hdmi up to eight and you can do even more effects with it. It's basically a board of buttons that I would love to get one day. They, they look amazing. <laughs> Buy it then. Can't <laughs> afford it. It's a grand. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, so bas- I'll sign really nicely for like a loan <laughs> and never pay them back. <laughs> Not sure that's how it works. <laughs> but basically, for the video world, if you're doing a live stream, for example, I'll try and explain this to be for people that wouldn't know what a video switcher is. If you're live streaming a show or a concert, uh, you'll have a, vid- a visual mixer or a video mixer or a virtual mixer, as some people call it. Basically, this you put all the cameras into this and then you select which one you want the audience at home or on the screens to see. Mm. So the ATEM is meant to be an affordable version of that. Yeah. For like churches, uh, small concerts, um, stuff like that. Mm. But uh, so Blackmagic have come out with this new Mini Extreme, which, as far as I can tell, has got a lot of hype around it because um, mainly because it has more channels. And another reason is the fact that you can record all eight channels on the new big one. Uh, you can record them all at once in the desk and Lovely create ProRes files. Mm. Which I, I could just imagine that data. Can you imagine that? It's probably a hell of a lot of data. Well, it can accept 6K yeah. feeds from the Pocket Cinema. So it, it's eight 6K feeds all at once. That's, that's enough, isn't it? That's a lot of data. A lot of I'm, I'm guessing my you know 32 gigabyte SD card from Amazon's not going <laughs> to cut it. I think it will only yeah, record so. onto like Samsung T5s or T7s. Yeah, it's over USB-C, so I can assume it would only accept... High level Hard drives. <laughs> yeah. And SSDs. If you're um, not plugged also... into a server, it will not work. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it also um, takes, uh, it integrates the Blackmagic system. So if you have the other new Blackmagic camera or the an Ursa Mini or whatever, you can now use the digital zoom and focus and stuff on it. So you can wirelessly, wirelessly control your focus and stuff like that, which is really cool. That I think the, cool feature. Mm. the other feature. I can imagine this could be very popular though, with like especially lockdown. Yeah, it's going to Small, be smaller businesses will love this for broadcasting. I think. Yeah. Well, one of the it's amazing really features nice is you can live edit the color in DaVinci Resolve if you connect it up to a computer of some kind. 
So that means you can send Blackmagic RAW from all of the cameras and then do color grading and live stream it and switch between them all at once. So it That's has pretty good. mad amounts of functionality at this point. Going to need a lot of horsepower. Yeah, just yeah, as you probably would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's going to be really popular for sure. Mm. Um, I've watched a couple of pod- other podcasts from um, like small event companies and some churches and stuff, and um, they all seem to be really hyped about it. Uh, I think we'll just have to wait and see on reviews and stuff when it actually gets sent out. Yeah. Because um, that's normally how you tell if a product's going to live or die. Uh, but Black Magic also re- good. <laughs> <laughs> the Black Magics have also released their new 6K Pro, which I'm very interested in. Same. Um, it's a new pocket camera for anybody that knows the Black Magic lineup. Uh, but it's basically their 6K camera, which they released last year, I believe, or the year before, yeah. uh, in a new body with new features. And it's yeah, uh, a couple hundred pound more expensive, but. To be honest, don't, the features don't worry. From Pro AV, you can finance it for just forty-two pounds a month. Isn't We're that not f- leasing though? It's not. I have no idea. Okay. I'm not, I haven't clicked the more details. <laughs> <laughs> they, maybe they shouldn't um, sponsor us. They're not. They're not. I should clarify. They're not sponsoring us. Yes, but, if they <laughs> but would, I think they should. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, the new it can do a six hundred uh, six thousand one hundred forty-four by. 3456 resolution so that's just over 6k um has a dual native iso which i believe the previous one had mm. uh, a new feature is it has um nd filters built in which is a big feature for us especially if you're doing events and running yeah, gun and got, documentary uh, six stops doesn't it mm. yeah uh, which is Ursus really useful i know the, the ursa mini has built in nds um but none of the pockets did before because obviously okay. it takes up a lot of space. So they've had to redesign where the it goes. It goes mount, in between yeah. the sensor and the mount now. Mm. Um, they basically copied the C70 in that regard. Mm. Um, yeah. It also has a new tiltable screen because people hated the old one. Yeah. <laughs> it was a ni- it's a nice disp- display. I've used it a lot. It's quite large, but, isn't it? That was one of the main selling yeah, points. It's, it's big and it's bright. It's like seven inches or six inches, seven inches. Yeah. Um, it's a really nice display, but it wasn't tiltable, so it was really not very useful, especially when like running gunning. Yeah. You always had to have an external display. Um, it also has an optional OLED uh, viewfinder, which is £500 alone, but makes the camera look really odd, in my opinion. <laughs> it looks like <laughs> it's, it's grown a bit of a horn like? out the front and has turned into a unicorn. <laughs> it looks like a mini C100. Yeah, it is a mini C100 at that point. <laughs> Have you seen it, Harry? It looks. Really I, I have. Odd. I have seen. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I think about it, but um, I it's really also, like it. Yeah, it's also the running camera. the new batteries from Sony instead of the old um, Canon batteries, which oh, don't even get anything. me started on the old batteries. <laughs> so the old batteries lasted like twenty minutes, even if you weren't recording. Yeah, which is stupid for a camera. It meant I mean, you had to power off V-mount, didn't it? It was V-mount only. <laughs> you get is, 20 is that, minutes is on that why, um, you know, sitcoms that are really fast are only like 20 minutes long because that's all they got on battery life before it's ending? <laughs> 100% the reason. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to change the game, you know. Hopefully, yeah. Because it's, it's like £2,250, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, with that, yeah. 
with, yeah, with uh, 1800 without tax. Which, if you compare that to like the A7S Mark, whatever they've released, I know A7 the A7S. S3. Yeah, that's I know that's full frame, and this is Super 35. Yeah, but so you lose the low light, but you get much better resolution and a lot more functionality with this kind of yeah. camera. It's also got a much higher bit rate, which yeah. I love. Though the but only thing the I would say about it is, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it now, the spec sheet with photos, and, I, you know, the specs of it are amazing, especially for the price. But I don't like yeah. the design that much. Yeah, it's it's got the weird pocket design it, that they've yeah, had for a while. It kind of reminds me of, like, go back to the early 2000s, and you've got a camera that you've got to wind back, and you've got your film in it, and you'd give it to a kid on your holidays. It reminds Did me of Did you see the first one, though? Did you see the first pocket? That oh, the original the pocket designed. cinema. You could physically fit it in your pocket without a lens. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> brilliant. Um, I get I get why they've done this design, because they've tried to make it as small as possible. Yeah. But I know people that use gimbals hate it. Yeah, because it's so like, wide. It causes so many issues. With I don't know gimbals. about the new one. I don't know how the new one balances, to clarify. It didn't look too bad. It is The old 6K wide. didn't. No, oh, yeah. no the, sorry, the new one. The new one doesn't look too bad. Yeah, it, it looks we'll like have to get a hands on one and test it. Mm. Um, I'm trying to get a side-by-side image of what they look like side-by-side, but I can't I, seem I to find I haven't got any one. dimensions because um, I can't be asked to go look for them. But like looking at photos in the screen, it doesn't look like it's too much bigger like or smaller, it's hard to tell, than like an A7. So... I know the first, the 4K one was, I didn't like the design. One, because it didn't have... Uh, Canon mount. No, it was micro four so thirds, wasn't it? Which is ridiculous because nobody likes micro four thirds lenses. I'm sorry for anybody that uses a GH5, but you're wrong. It's just a terrible. <laughs> nobody uses. I, I just don't like micro four thirds. It's just got a thing against it. Um, yeah, it's. it's oh, yeah, weird. side by side. Yeah, that's quite a difference. Yeah, that's the old one I've just sent Harry versus the 4K one. Mm. Um, so Joel, a good friend of ours who runs the Low Expectations podcast, um, has both these cameras, the 4K and the 6K, not the new one yet, obviously. Um, and he said, it, it, like I've spoken to him before, and the 4K one is good, but you have to spend, it's good for like, it's like a thousand pounds, so it's really good. Mm. But you have to spend like another 500 to 600 pound on a good speed booster. Yeah. To really make it function, because it's micro four thirds. It's not. You need that light in there to get a properly exposed image, especially in some dark environments. Hmm. If I was buying one now, I'd go for the six K alone, just because of the fact that you don't have to have a speed booster. It's hmm. another step point of failure, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, some people 35. love speed boosters, though. Yeah. I uh, I know they've released a speed booster for the six K, so you can even get more light in, hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, be interested to see that you can do um uh, 1080p at 120 fps at the new one so you need to get um like peter mckinnon to do some of his b-roll he loves his 120 yeah, fps <laughs> do you know, see that's not that impressive actually when you think about it because the new sony cameras like the a7s3 the fs fx6 all have a 4k 120 yeah true <laughs> with autofocus the new black magic camera has autofocus Mm, but it's then they haven't ever done autofocus before, so it's a I bit can like imagine it's going to take a while. Yeah, it's similar to the Red Komodo in that respect. They're trying to develop the autofocus, and they're on the back foot at this point because everyone else has been doing autofocus for years. Yeah, 
So it they will eventually get good autofocus, and Blackmagic are very good at updating their cameras, like software-wise. So mm. hopefully it gets that the upgrades keep coming and the autofocus becomes good. But until tests are done, I don't think we'll know for sure. But though, think, um, you, you know how we're talking about uh, music videos recently, about the whole resolution, and you see some of them massively wide. Oh, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, Look at the shooting resolution. It natively shoots in 6K, but two, uh, 241. Yeah, yeah. Obviously super wide. It'd be so cool to have that. Up to 60 FPS as well. It'd be so cool to have that and shoot a video with that. In that, oh, in that aspect ratio. Natively as yeah, well, so, not like stretch so, it or anything. So for our listeners at home, we like shooting music videos in different ratios just to try stuff out. So you know how you see really like long, thin music videos and you see really 4 by 3 videos and the contrast. Yeah. Um, so obviously we've got a couple of music videos in the works that we're trying to. Um, and so we've been having a lot of conversations behind the scenes about aspect ratios and what we like and don't like. And yeah, Harry brings up a good point that if it does it natively, that's even better. Yeah, you're I, not I removing love white any shots of the image. That's quite yeah. good. And it's yeah, got. I, I don't like it. Um, so when I I used um, though the Panasonic cameras that uh, does do it natively. Uh, not a, so it's not a massively wide one. It's wider though. I can't yeah. remember the exact aspect ratio now. It's been a while. It looks so much better than trying to stretch it with a 4K down to like 1080p to make it work. It just yeah, works yeah. so much better. Mm. my pc had a fit when i tried to do it though i did not like it (laughs) what we're saying is we need to buy one (laughs) then we'll probably end up one we'll finish this podcast now i'm just gonna buy it now yeah (laughs) get the invoice going now (laughs) no um yeah i think the whole camera market at the moment especially in the video world is blowing up like a couple of years ago nobody was focusing on video because mm. cinema well was, I'm sure a film studio video, probably was <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. the cinema like, market was expanding but the consumer or prosumer market was pretty much dead in the water you either had a C200 or a C300 and that was about it for what you could use but now you've got things basically. like these pocket cinemas the C70 the Komodo that are becoming more and more affordable and having the pro grade features that cinema have had for ages yeah, because you know those camera, these cameras, you can still use them for cinema and like a lower budget film as well. So it's even better. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how far technology is coming and how quickly it's dropping down to our kind of level. It, it, mm. It's incredible. Though one thing I uh, talking about like cinema quality and how technology is evolving. Um, this thing I keep seeing on Instagram or TikTok is like uh, phone videos um, and like making it really artistic. Like, but when I watch them, and they, they, you know, they do all these cool videos to show how you make them. But when mm. you watch the final result, they're never impressive. No, at, the, the, at all. Yeah, with phones, you have a distinctive lack of sensor size, changeable lenses. The, yeah. the problem when filming on a phone, you can get what's known as high resolution footage. You can get 4K out of it, but it's 4K out of a very small sensor. Whereas 4K yeah, and, out of and they, my People A7, love putting lots of megapixels in it too. Yeah. The the megapixel count after a point with that kind of size of sensor doesn't actually affect it. If you're on full frame, the megapixel count does actually affect the image and you get much, much higher resolution. But at a certain point with that kind of size sensor on a phone, you're not improving the image quality that much. You're just making the file no. sizes a bit larger and making them buy yeah, your um, cloud storage platform. Yeah, because Ben and I were talking about this um, the other day 
when we yeah. went for that walk. And um, we're talking about uh, megapixels and uh, how some people were saying that these, you know, they were talking about the area Alexa and someone asked, oh, how many megapixels does it have? And they said it had like 80, but of course it doesn't have 80. It has much it less has than eight. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this eight. is, so basically my uni did a test with the tech subjects at the very start of the uni course. They were like, how many megapixels do you think this camera has? How many megapixels do you think this camera has? And it's funny because I obviously knew the up, I sort of knew because of the background I came from. But um, it's the people that don't. It's It was quite funny and a shock to them, I think, because... People Everyone's kind of megapixels. brainwashed to think megapixels is the end all. Yeah, where like the Arri cameras, some of them only have eight megapixels and like twelve megapixels. Mm. It's because they don't need more. And some, in some ways, the lower megapixels helps with low light because yeah. you're not. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, I mean, a bigger you, diode for it. If you look at the A7 lineup, their pro photography camera, the A7R, has a very high megapixel count, but their pro video camera, the S has a 12 megapixel count. There yeah. is a massive difference in that. It's from 61 to 12, and people think, well, it's going to be worse at resolution, but the A7S three has got brilliant resolution for the price and the and low amount light of megapixels. Yeah. yeah, it's like um, we were talking about the Huawei phones and a few other phones that have, like, they put in, like, 100 megapixel cameras into their phones, which, on paper, sounds amazing for marketing. Yeah, but when they yeah. put into practice, because it's so crammed in there with a sensor that isn't much bigger than a normal phone sensor, unless you're in the perfect lighting, the photo is going to look bad because mm, it's yeah. not enough light coming into it. And then video of it is just going to be compromising itself. I mean, AI, yeah. yeah, that can help fix things because that's what phones are surprisingly really good at nowadays. But even then, it's still not going to be as good as if you just dropped it down, had a bigger area and just you know just buy yourself a camera if you're going to use a camera mate mm. <laughs> yeah i feel like it it says something that megapixels don't matter when a hollywood film is shot on an arri camera that's like eight or twelve like we just said and and then the red cameras that do like 8k and stuff only really get used by people that want a green screen that need the higher resolution or mm. vfx because yeah. they need the resolution or like by people online, by like documentary YouTubers. or stuff where you have to yep. reframe stuff. Um, but most films are shot in either 4K or some even 1080p, depending on the camera and what they're doing. And the budget. It's, it's, Budget's a big yeah, it's, thing. It's amazing because like, ARRI cameras aren't known for their resolution. They're known for their colour and the colour science behind and the it. Sharpness. And the sharpness. And the look, yeah. Mm. Like me and Harry always point... Because I can always notice when it's either a red or an arrow, just because the look, you get an eye for it, and then you know what you're looking at. No, if you look at like footage of like any, like pretty much any camera, doesn't matter what it is at this point, and then compare it mm. to a phone camera, almost always yeah. you're going to tell which one's which just by how it looks. Mm. Well, look at the look at the photos we. If I, I know photos are a different story, but look at the photos we took on that walk, Harry. Mm. Compared, so I we took me and Harry went on a walk the other day, socially distanced and lockdown and all that. Um, just to get some photos and get out and about. And uh, we had my A7, Harry's Nikon, and my iPhone. And I took a couple of the wide photos of my iPhone, and you really notice the lack of sharpness, especially in the detail on the yeah. phone. When, especially when you took the like camera. Almost the yeah, same it's... photo with the Sony, and the Sony just looks so much better in every single way. 
Yeah, and my ca- my camera's not even the photo specific one. It's mm. it's the it's, multi one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to find out it's how many megapixels. Swiss Army right, knife. <laughs> yeah, the Swiss so, Army knife of Sony cameras. The A7 Which phone have you got? Three. It's the three. So yeah, so my iPhone 12 uh, XS Max is 12 megapixels, and my camera is 24. Yeah, I believe the Mark Three is 24. Yeah, so. <laughs> It shows you that I know the phone looks worse, but the phone doesn't look like it's half as bad. It looks a lot worse in detail. I know, like, you won't notice that when we post photos on Instagram. Because Instagram or, compression. Yeah, <laughs> or Facebook or anything because of the compression. But it is a lot worse. Yeah. It's interesting. Something, mm, it's something you can notice in Unsplash, actually. When I was scrolling through the images of the day on Unsplash, mm. you can tell what's shot on a like Google Pixel or something similar and what's shot on an A7S III and what's shot on a uh, 5D Mark III or whatever. See, I, that one, I say, is actually can be a little bit harder sometimes because I've got uh, the Google Chromecasts, the, the new ones, mm. and also yeah. the, the hubs. And when they go into screensaver mode, you have like photos revolving around and they tell you what it is. And occasionally mm. you see a photo there and it, at the bottom it says shot on pixel, just like Apple does, like shot on iPhone. Yeah. Um, mm. And when you look at them, if you weren't paying attention, honestly, some of those photos are so well put together, you would expect it to be from a real camera. Mm. That, yeah, you know, that just kind of prove how good AI is nowadays or how good It's also to do is. with the the situation so if you've got perfect lighting for example like you said if you've yeah, got that guy could have been standing there for hours waiting for the perfect light i would have known mm. yeah or you've got like a controlled room where it looks like it's natural light but it's not stuff like that it's mm. yeah because you have to remember like films and stuff don't rely on natural lighting and unlit situations everything is fake yeah you, you can tell when the budget in. has been compromised and use natural lighting <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so i feel like a lot of those like sample images are in the perfect light and in the perfect yeah but, but secretly behind the guy with the pixel phones massive gigantic monster lights to light up the landscape it, yeah <laughs> it, it always makes you laugh I've, samsung did this a lot but they film their adverts for their phones and they'll go this was shot on a samsung but and then you, the bts video shows the fact that they're using like an adapter to put a real lens on the front of their Samsung phone <laughs> or they're yeah. using a drone or they're using a gimbal, which isn't actually the stabilisation of the phone. It's making it look better by using other stuff. Yeah, it's and like, they get um, away with it because it's still shot on that. I it's remember still... Peter McKinnon made a video about GoPro about that because yeah, yeah. he doesn't like GoPro very much unless he likes the new ones, I don't know, uh, because he can never get the look that they get on um, the actual ones. Mm. like the adverts for it when they said oh this was shot on gopro and then this apparently a guy who works for gopro and has done these sort of stuff adverts uh says the reason why they look so much better is because um they use manual mode on it and they spend hours setting up a shot and taking that shot whereas a gopro shouldn't be used like that It's, it's auto it's it's in the action that's what it's for it's action yeah, not missing the moment, etc. Which is why no one ever seems to be able to get the same type of shot that you can get on these adverts because they spend hours making it look amazing. Mm. Speaking of missing yes. the moment, we may have slightly missed the moment here with uh, a new camera <laughs> launch. As in oh, an yeah. hour, it's actually meant to launch. So Sony have leaked quite heavily their new FX3 cinema camera that's meant to be released in they... an hour. I wonder if they w- meant to leak that or if it's... I bet they did. It's, 
Yeah, probably. Some people do normally leak things like this, and especially some of the specs and stuff. These are official Sony images because they look like the other ones that have been in the past. So either they've got a really corrupt internal structure or they're leaking it on purpose to build up the hype. Yeah, so a bit of context for the people that don't know. Um, Sony have a cinema lineup which they've been working on for the last couple of years. They've released the FX9, uh, the FX6 quite recently, and now they're going to release, the rumour is, an FS, FX3, yes. which is uh, basically a direct target at the people that want to buy the Blackmagic Pocket 6K Pro, the C70, yeah. like that, the small cinema lineup world, yeah. p- that group of people. Um, I'm interested to see how much it costs, to be honest. Because... Yes. I was looking at the C70 prices before this podcast went out so we could uh, be prepared in that. And the C70 from Canon is like six grand. Yep, and then you're looking at RF glass, (laughs) which currently they've only got expensive RF glass out at the moment, so that's also expensive on top of that. Yeah, it's not cheap. And then you look at the new Blackmagic camera, which is 2,200. And that can take EF, which has got tons of lenses, which are all pretty affordable at this I know point. It, I know it doesn't have, like, the good autofocus and the huge dynamic range the C70 has, mm. but is it worth £4,000 more, no. the C70? No, Probably not. No. But the FX3 is rumoured to be basically an A7S3, so a 12-megapixel sensor that can do 4K at 120fps in a full-frame um, sensor. But in the body size, which is very reminiscent, I don't know whether you guys remember the very misfired launch of the A7C, which was basically an A7 III. It was a really small A60... It's basically a really small camera body. Like, this looks minuscule. Like, if you compare it to something like the Pocket Cinema, you are... It was meant to replace the A6500, wasn't it? That was the idea. It would make a full-frame version of the A6500. So um, it looks very similar, I, but in grey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wonder if the bitrate will be higher, because that's I, the thing I'm. I think they will about. give you that full kind of bitrate control like the Blackmagic have. The other interesting thing that seems to be coming with this camera, for users of Sony for the past five years, if you want XLR inputs, you either have to record externally into a Zoom Handy recorder, or there's been the XLR hot shoot adapter which takes two XLRs in. That's about yeah. 500 quid for that little I know, I, I looked at buying one. They yes, look, it's... in these images, to be releasing a new version which has a built-in top handle that screws into the top of the camera. Which would be nice. That would be really we, useful. We've started using XLR a lot more. Yeah, when, It's very useful. Yeah, because we use lapels and booms a lot more. They all have XLR outputs, and we need to have something to plug those into. So With it, good preamps. So yeah. hopefully it has good preamps. But it looks things... This camera will have quite a lot of features for quite a small body and hopefully quite a low price because you're losing certain things that the A7S3 has, such as your EVF. You don't have one on this. You've just got a flilty, flilty? flippy, tilty screen. Um, you lose a couple of things that a prosumer camera would have for more of a cine-style body with all of your mounting screws and stuff. But it, lo- yeah. it looks like a really interesting camera to come out. And hopefully, in an hour, it will be an interesting camera. But oh, By the time you're listening to the podcast, it'll be out. Yeah. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Either that or this. assume it will be. This leak has been a complete <laughs> lie. This camera's not coming out. Everything's a lie at this point. 
Yeah, it will be interesting. I think Sony are doing bits with their lineup though, because it's encouraging everybody else to make more. So basically, like. they've refreshed their entire Cine lineup at this point. They've got a brilliant prosumer lineup with the A7 and the A1 now. Their lower end market is there, but not really the best with their APS-C cameras. But they are really fleshing out every camera that needs to be in their lineup and really trying to push them as hard as they can to consumers. Makes sense. Yeah. No, I'm um, I'm curious to see where they go, especially because probably after lockdown is restricted, l- lifted, etc. I mm. will probably be in the market for some new gear or some new um, looking around that area, basically. So mm. it'll be uh, interesting to see. I know I'm going to keep a close eye on it. Um, I like doing a lot of research before I buy anything, though, so I will good, wait good for job. reviews. You're not going to pre-order this um, in an hour's time, then? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no, I've, already, I've already pre-ordered it, man. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, no, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Harry, you were talking about Nikon, weren't you, the other day? Do you want to go into that? Um, Nikon, yeah, uh, the Z series, the new ones. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, the Z6 two and seven two have just been well not just been but they've been released now they're not too old um and well originally i looked at it because i was wondering oh this they're out maybe the z6 is going to be cheaper it's like no no not really it's not much cheaper at all (laughs) still (laughs) still still quite expensive um but i think as obviously nikon or nikon or however you say um has never been the uh Let's just say the pinnacle of technology for cameras. <laughs> it was at one point. Yeah, at one point. <laughs> at one point, everyone was either using a D4 or a D5 for everything. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to say, anymore. these new ones, from what I've seen, the reviews and stuff, they look really good. Yeah. For, a, for a, only a second go of a mirrorless camera, especially mm. given the fact the first one was surprisingly quite good after the firmware updates. I mean, it makes... You know, if they carry on making mirrorless like they kind of say they will be, they're they're gonna. Well, I they think have they to. might. Yeah, <laughs> they could easily, you know, quite threaten the whole A7 series lineup quite easily at this rate, which they're already kind of doing. It it yeah. depends. In my opinion, it depends because I know a lot of professionals out there. I've spoken to a few, and they all seem to either have the view that they're excited to see where Nikon go as they're finally getting into this space. Mm. or they have the other view that Nikon is already a dead ship. Yeah. It doesn't have mm. the reputation anymore it used to. But, but that's the difference. I, it, only, it only doesn't have that reputation for professionals. Mm. Outside yeah, of the professional world, people don't really, yeah, really but, uh, care that much. Are consumers going to spend three grand on a camera? Oh, we don't know <laughs> that. They might be really rich. <laughs> the, <laughs> the interesting thing to look at with Nikon and their mirrorless lineup so far is um, there was a statement by one of the high ups at Nikon last year, at the end of last year, uh, talking about the Mark II launch of the Z6 and the Z7. And they full up just said that they were late to the party with mirrorless. Because if you think about Sony and Canon, they've been developing their mirrorless for a good five years at this point. With the I think that's because Sony's mirrored cameras were just terrible. Mm. But they Nikon, were honestly terrible. Nikon were too late in transferring over to the mirrorless, and now they're really pretty much on the back foot because there's not many lenses for their bodies, and they've only got two, three types of bodies out at this point with the Z50 
and then you've got the six and seven. So they're, they're yeah. on the back foot. But I think if they continue pushing, currently their Z6 and Z7 look like an A7 III in terms of specs. But I think if they keep on pushing, they can really, hopefully, create a camera that might be worthwhile in the long term for pro photographers again. Because most pro photographers mm. at this point have either moved to the A1 or they're on some sort of Canon mm. lineup. With but the I would DX. say that the Z6, I don't think a photographer should buy it. No. There, no. There's the Z7, not much point. The Z7, I could understand why you buy it for a mm. photography. But, I mean, that's the thing with the two different cameras, which I know a lot of people that I've spoken to about them don't actually realise. They assume, oh, the Z7 is more expensive, that means it's better. Yes, it's, it is a, a grand more expensive and it's got a better sensor for photos, but that's it. It's yeah. a grand more for double, well, almost double the uh, megapixels. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on what you're wanting out of it. It'll be interesting. If you're wanting photos or video, I mean, if you're wanting video, the Z6 II with an Atomos is just amazing from Mm. what I've seen. Because you're getting Nikon Raw and stuff. Yeah. Mm. It's a lineup that needs to be more fleshed out, I think. Well, I just hope that they don't go bust before it's fleshed out. Mm. Because I know they're in financial trouble. Oh, yeah, they, really, but I think if they drop the prices of their mirrored cameras, I know they might take an initial loss on it, but after a while people buy it and they'll make money back. They might survive better. Because their biggest a, yeah. consumers are the DSLRs for beginners. There's no yeah. doubt on that. They are the biggest consumers of all cameras, really. Yeah, yeah I know they lost like 10% market share in last year alone. Uh, they, they've got massive corporate restructuring now inside of the business, trying to fix the flaws that have shown up in recent years yeah i think the they, CEO I think they should really to... focus as well as just mirrored camera uh, sorry mirrorless cameras is professional filming cameras like you've got canon with the z uh sorry the uh the c 100 200 300 and so on why does it nikon have one of these nikon's never yeah, really then... been on the video side of things though but they, you they can argue be, that they don't have the experience right now yeah if yeah. they want to survive they're going to have to do all of it i guess yeah, it's hard to do research it's also R&D and stuff foot. yeah mm. yeah yeah that's what I was going to say it's I mean, just copy what Canon part. have done and it'll work fine right that's what, <laughs> yeah, they, that's what they've done with the Z6 into the <laughs> no that's basically what they've done with the Z6 and Z7 they haven't had mistakes really because they've just copied the mistakes that Sony made and Canon made at the start mm. it's mm. like Apple fair, Apple delayed their releases here, I just realised don't exist I never knew these guys existed the Z5 and the Z50 I never knew they existed so they <laughs> yeah, need to do their marketing better I had no idea they existed <laughs> I'm surprised we, you didn't know I, about them I didn't yeah, that, I just only associated no, with Z6 and 7 because they're the good ones so yeah, yeah it's, it's weird no because we look around the camera space a lot so you'd thought we would know but yeah I have didn't. knowledge oh, oh I didn't you knew they existed. Do you know what the specs they can do, though? Um, the Z50 is crop sensor, so APS-C. And the like Z5 the is a cheaper full frame. Yeah. Isn't the so Z50 I know that the copy of the M50 from Canon? Yeah, so they're pretty much. Then? It's Isn't the M series the C- from Canon. The Z50, the yeah, copy kind, of the M50 of, yeah. from Canon. Basically. <laughs> it does look very similar. <laughs> so. I'm Though I love see. their digital lenses. They do do oh, some what? very nice gloss, especially that knocked lens they came out with last year. That that was that was a very, oh, yeah, very nice that. lens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, is it out of bodies for them? <laughs> yeah. No, they don't. <laughs> but I love the fact that I think every 
main manufacturer like Sony or Canon, when they make their own lenses, I think they should incorporate it like this. But that little dial on it, which can control the whatever you set it to, it just makes you f- it makes it more involved with the camera. Because mm. well, then it kind of feels like you're using a proper manual lens as well if you're changing the aperture with it. Well, you've got the control ring on Canon's new RF lenses, which does the same thing. True. Yeah, true. And yeah, if you look at Sony Zeiss, they've got the little LED like all of the um, Nikon range have. Yeah, True. I'm not sure what I think of it. Because I'm a big fan of the manual lenses over digital. I hate mm. flywire. Fly-by-wire is the hell of everything at this point. <laughs> yeah, Everyone hates it. Yeah, It's just, yeah... But like, not nice. price-wise, do you want to have a guess? I don't know if you've seen this lens or not, and if you know when it, how much it costs. But have a guess. So it's the uh, the Nikon Z mount uh, lens. It is fifty-eight mil at f point nine five. That's the knocked lens. It's eight thousand pounds. It'll be like twelve hundred quid or something, won't it? It's not twelve hundred quid. Uh, uh, Dan was about right. Yeah, um, eight thousand two hundred ninety-nine pounds. It's because it's below f one. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem. It's just if it was f one point eight, so it'd be expensive. a grand. It's also the size of a seventy to two hundred. If it's anyone huge. knows yeah, what I'm they look at, like, I'm looking at the photos now. It is a monster <laughs> lens. It is monstrous, <laughs> and it's only manual focus. No auto. Well, why would you want, to, you know, to be quick? You and could easy probably to can't use get auto. You probably can't get auto to work with zero point nine. No, you F-stop probably can't. Zero point nine. No, I know there work. was. Um, I remember watching a review a few years ago of someone trying to use autofocus on a lens that that could do that. Um, it was just, it, it just couldn't do it. It was terrible, it, honestly. I know. So, I know Sony man- have managed to make their autofocus work on the f one point two lenses, mm, but I don't yeah. think they'll risk going below that because it will ruin the reputation of the autofocus if they're not careful. Yeah, mm. I mean, what the lower you go, it just gets harder and harder for the the camera without a lidar detector or something. Which yeah, is does, where DJI yeah. comes in with their new LiDAR autofocus system on the new Ronin. Yeah, but exactly. they're not the first people to do that. It's been on film for years. LiDAR has yeah, yeah. been used for... But it's this is the first time the consumers can get it easily, though. Yeah, I mean, for 150 quid, I get LiDAR autofocus. Exactly. Why you Only on their gimbal. <laughs> Only on the gimbal. Yes, yeah. you do have to use the gimbal to get the autofocus. That is a minor <laughs> problem that I have realised. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they no, could. This doesn't just because it's on a gimbal right now doesn't mean later on it won't be. I mean, they, maybe they will release something else for it soon, like a cage with it. Eh, Who knows? Who knows where DJI is going to go with it? This is a, if they go successful with this product, it could easily, easily make them much richer. Yeah, a lot of DJI stuff is like that, though. Yeah. Mm. Well, you know, no, they're, I, they're rich, rich now, but why don't they go rich, rich, rich? Mm. <laughs> they've been releasing a lot of products as well talking about that I know <laughs> the Mini 2 oh, not not like after Christmas but before Christmas they oh yeah they're releasing loads. drones left right and centre <laughs> yeah. yeah and they've even got a Their Robot viewers. Master series I had no idea what that was yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're sort of turning into the Samsung you know like they make a Joel. lot of hardware for other people mm. Mm. I like love the like, Osmo Action uh, camera Oh, my brother's got one. Mm. Yeah, the little one with the screen on front. I know GoPro's now copied that, essentially, oh, you with mean, the new one. Oh, you mean that one, yeah, yeah. But, like, when yeah. it first came out, 
uh, where obviously it was the first of its kind with a screen on front. It just looked amazing. And like, why did no one else think of that sooner? Mm. (laughs) Here's a good point. I guess the only other real thing that we've got to talk about today is um, another bit of Sony news um, that the A7S III is finally getting an update to make it look more cinematic. Now, I don't know much about colour, but it's getting an upgrade so it can do S-Cinetone. Ben, what the hell is (laughs) S-Cinetone? So, as far as I understand it, because I haven't actually used S-Cinetone yet, because it's only really just come out, um, it is Sony's attempt at competing with Canon's Cinetone colour. Okay, so, so you get Cinetype colour out of the camera now. Yeah, so you get basically you get more dynamic range than you would if it was in its standard mode, mm-hmm. like the standard colour profile. Um, but it also gives you a bit of flexibility for colour grading because it's. I know a lot of these is ten bit, I believe. All right, yeah, um, I've I've found the uh, the why they've made it. Um, so okay. I'm reading the white paper for it now. Oh, um, fun so, uh, so Sony developed S Cinetone to meet the demands of post-production color grading for RAW and XOCN file formats. Um, yeah. and it's built on Venice's popular cinematic look with a film-like yeah, color, pleasing rendering of the skin tones, and has gained such a good reputation in the market. S Cinetone is different in that it has been designed to quickly and easily create rich-looking final content without the need for expensive post-production. So it's basically just. Making the post-production easier and cheaper, essentially. Yeah, so I'll tell you why they've done this. So basically, a couple of years ago, people hated Sony Colors. Back yeah. when the A7S II was just released and stuff they like that. They had a really bad magenta shift, didn't they, with the original Yeah, Sony when color. you boosted the exposure, they would go. the image would go pink, is basically mm. what would happen on the older range of cameras. So Sony started working on this Cinetone world behind the scenes. Um, and they believe they finally got it right, and it's basically their luck. Lo- so the Venice was always known for having good, amazing color mm. for the price, because it was like competing with Ari's color. It's still not as good as Ari, but it was getting there in the digital world and that. Um, so Sony wanted to put that in their mirrorless cameras, so they developed Cinet- S Cinetone, and I know it has to be on a camera that has 10 bit, I believe. So. Yeah. That, that explains why it's only coming to these new ones because these new ones can all record 10 bit um, but I'm glad it's I'm glad it's coming out uh, because I would if it was on my camera I'd love to use it um, yeah I'm so not going to upgrade looking, just for it oh, it's just, just gotten further down the white paper it's only actually six pages long <laughs> um, <laughs> so the dynamic range of it is f- uh, 460% which is actually lower than s log 3. Yeah, uh, but because of that, be the the dynamic range and the balance of noise and everything is really really good, um, and yeah, also the characteristics are because of its highlight contrast is low. The look of highlights is soft and light, and since <laughs> low light contrast is a little bit higher, the low the look of low light is strong and more highly saturated. Because of these characteristics, you can control the look by adjusting just the exposure. There you go. So yeah, needs to you employ you. <laughs> they should we really. Use, they should. <laughs> we use S Log two, yes, uh, for our shoots. Um, where the ones we want to color grade because it makes sense for us because Dan's camera has it. He's got an R Mark two, so it's an older gen one. Mm. Um, Dan's camera has it, and my camera has it as well. I would go to S Log three if Dan's had support for it, but it doesn't. Apologies. Um, also, <laughs> just get a new camera, man. S Log S Log three is also a lot. It's a weird... I, I haven't used it much, 
I've used it a couple of times at uni and stuff like that. Um, it's a lot more flat than S-Log 2, but also has different characteristics. So it's sort of a learning curve between the two. Um, but I love S-Log. Uh, the only problem is it's grainy. There's nothing. Like, you, in the shadows, it's, terrible. it's gr- <laughs> grain heaven, unless yeah. you've got good lighting. Um, yeah. So that's the one downside, and that's why Cinetone is loved by so many people at the moment because it gives them sort of the S-Log look but sort of not at the same time um, mm. people still use S-Log for like the stuff they want pure flat um, so I know like when I shoot with Joel I shoot mostly in S-Log if I'm shooting with my camera because it gives him the best chance to match them with the yeah, Blackmagic cameras mm. yeah. um, and because you get the most dynamic range but it's a long workflow to colour grade S-Log um, it's not quick to do. Though that well, Sony have also released another firmware update for their compact camera, the uh, ZV1. Have you heard that one? Oh yeah, no, the, the, the Diddy vlogger, vlogging the camera. Vlogger the vlogger camera. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I reckon we're going to get a lot more people streaming on the go with it because they basically the update uh, is as simple as it's allowing the camera to stream directly to a computer and go live quickly and easily. Well any hustle or fussle but supposedly it can work if connected to a xperia phone so yeah. oh so it's got what the really cool. had. essentially yeah yeah their but new phone had cheaper. a hdmi port on it didn't it so you yeah, can the input xperia hdmi Pro. as a screen yeah it's interesting i don't think anybody's going to buy it but it's no. interesting <laughs> i think it's because they they when the phone came out the original you know when the xperia started coming out it had amazing specs for the time-ish, but only for the people wanting those type of stuff, like the 4K... Dis- uh, sorry, it was um, a 5K display, I think it was. And that was the first of its kind. But nowadays, that's not that impressive, really. No. So it's a bit they, like they, the red they... phone that was released a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that time died. Launches. <laughs> yeah, I think, no, um... I think Sony should reevaluate their lineup because... They're not that good for the price they're giving you. And it has a reputation. It's like the Windows phone. They were like, okay, but not worth the price. Yeah, especially their phone market. Uh, but I've seen a lot of people using their... Is it, what's it, the Z camera called? I can't even remember. The Z1. Mm. ZV1. Um, I've seen a lot of YouTubers using it as their like streaming cam because it has a HDMI output. It's got an always-on timer, I believe, and a clean output as well. Yeah. I know a lot of people have been using them as their webcam or their like vlogger camera or Well, according yeah. to the re- the review description on Google it is perfectly for vlogging. Yeah. Apart it's from the the facts. So, sort of perfect. It sort of replaced the RX100. Do you remember how many people used to love oh, the RX100? It was either that or the GX7. That was all vloggers yeah, G7X. used to use. G7X, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah G7X. Like <laughs> now we don't understand enough about the Canon lineup. Uh, no. We Canon need to come on and talk about Canon. Yeah. <laughs> if you know the no, Canon lineup, please talk to us on the podcast about it. I think it. though, um, <laughs> the reason why the RX100 did so well for so long was the fact the lens it had on there was a twenty-eight to one hundred mil equivalent, mm. and it was yep. Zeiss, so it was going to be sharp anyway. Yeah. Well, it should be Zeiss. It cost a thousand pounds. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would hope so. But you know, it's a small camera, which you can't expect much out of a one-inch sensor. Yeah, mm. true. Very true. No, um, I think Sony are one of the people that have smashed the mirrorless game. They haven't really smashed the cinema game yet. 
hopefully they will. Um, Cannon have always been in the mid like broadcast range and never disappeared from it. Um, I'm interested to see where stuff like the bringing it back to the start of the episode, the Black Magic stuff goes, because I know they have still have a weird reputation in the industry because the original Ursas and stuff were really dodgy, uh, had massive bugs. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. Um, yeah. I think that's a good way to end it, actually, talking about the, yeah. the the whole market and how cameras have developed in the last couple of months. Oh, uh, sorry, my, we I didn't speak much about Canon. I probably just made a loud noise. Sorry, viewers. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, we didn't speak much about Canon. Uh, we don't have much experience with Canon, as you can probably tell. The experience I have had are they cheap DSLRs, and I think they're terrible. That's my opinion. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to leave it there. Follow us on Instagram, Anything Literally Podcast, and we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode. Our shortest episode yet. Is it? Yeah, it's oh, under yeah. 50 it looks minutes. like it. Or about that. So, I, don't, I hope I, you enjoyed I don't it. Know the exact times yet. Uh, let us know what you want us to cover on the next couple of episodes i know we've probably got a, a post-production one coming up at some point and stuff yeah, like that Dan so to talk about post-production yeah yep i've already said that also um we're gonna force dan to watch wonder vision so we can do an episode on that oh, once still the series is finished it. or wait until the series <laughs> finished then we'll make you watch it <laughs> or, i feel like um, this could be a running gag for the podcast at the end of what, each episode have you watched wonder vision yet no <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be like three years on and we're going have you watched wonder vision yet it's like, what? no it's like there's five seasons you, of it watch it <laughs> dan you have disney plus watch it <laughs> yeah, i'll get around to it at some point I'll no, get around to family it. guy has just been added to disney plus for the uk so i'm so happy i'm gonna have to binge watch that because I, uh, I you know i keep watching clips on tiktok and go i need to watch this so, <laughs> i'm happy now Anyway, we're past the 50-minute mark, so we should end this now. You know, we're past okay. that number. <laughs> we'll see you next week. See you next Cheerio. week. Ciao.